0: Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist. Licensed Clinical Social Worker, and Licensed Certified Addiction Specialist. As you listen, ask questions, and enjoy the show, remember, this podcast is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the Voiceless. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today's guest is a remarkable woman who brings a significant amount of experience and know-how of being an amazing licensed and registered dietitian. This woman is none other than Janelle Middleton. Janelle received her bachelor's degree of science in psychology from Dominican University. She also earned a master's degree in public health nutrition with a dietetic concentration from Loma Linda University. She has experience working in home health, the outpatient setting, and the community. Currently, she works in the hospital setting. Janelle is very passionate about access to care, education, and resources. Advocacy is the crux of everything she does. Janelle educate others about healthy eating while she continuously learn and evolve into the best, healthiest version of herself. Elevated Voices podcast would like to give a warm welcome to Janelle Middleton. Thank you so much, Janelle, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Janelle, what inspired you to become a licensed and registered dietitian? So, I used to
1: think it was my grandfather's because both of them had chronic health conditions, both passed away from cancer. As I've grown in the field, I realized my inspiration and motivation to do this work was myself. You know, I wanted to understand my relationships surrounding food, I wanted to know how I could manipulate my diet so that I can gain or lose weight. I had an interest in How Food Can Heal Our Bodies. I really
0: did this so that I could fix me.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I am my own inspiration as I'm learning.
0: Got it. That's amazing. So what is your philosophy on food?
1: Uh, It's constantly evolving, but I believe that food is medicine. And so whenever people come to me with chronic conditions, my first question is, what are you taking? What kind of meds are you taking? Because my goal is to get you off of them. I believe our bodies are just so intricate and beautiful and they heal themselves. And so they do. when they are operating at fullest capacity, we can get so much more <laughs> out of these machines. And so, yeah, my philosophy, I would say is food is life. And so I want to offer that to everybody that I can,
0: you know. Got it. How did you make the switch from psychology to nutrition?
1: It's so funny because (laughs) I don't know if I personally made the switch. Like I believe in a higher power and I think that it was just ordained for me to do. So I wanted to go to medical school initially. And so I had done a bachelor's in science degree that was going to put me closer to medical school. I took the exam, the MCAT twice, and just did not perform well enough to get into a school. And so I went into the work field. And then one day, I just found this random email. I didn't even know who it was from. And usually I delete those. Like it was from Loma Linda University, which I had never heard of. I didn't know where it was. I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I did a master's program, it would put me in a better position to apply to medical school because that's some of the advice I had gotten. And so um, applying to the school, I realized that they had programs in public health. Which was something that I was currently working in, in a woman and children's shelter, and didn't realize I was working in public health. But in addition to that, they had a nutrition and dietetics program. And I said, well, you know, like even though I wanted to go to medical school, I really wasn't sold on pharmaceuticals being our end all be all to care. And so I'm like, well, maybe if I had a nutrition background, it would give me a better idea of how to heal the body from both sides nutritionally and if necessary, medication. And so I thought it would give me some edge. And I believe it has, uh, but I have not applied back to medical school. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm operating in
0: this gift now. That's amazing. You said that you received an email out of nowhere Mm -hmm. from the university. It speaks to what you said. You feel like you were destined, like your higher power literally put you on the path of, hey, Janelle is going to be this, awesome licensed and registered dietitian. So this is where I need her to be.
1: Yeah. And I feel like it really helped with me having a psychology background because now when I talk to my clients and I talk to my patients, I have the background of counseling. How can I make this make sense to a person that isn't like me or didn't grow up with my same resources? Like, How do I understand the human mind to receive this type of information? And how can I give other side, which is a little more practical to the the person sitting in front of me. So I think that it just fits so
0: well together. Got it. And it does Mm -hmm. go hand in hand. I wanted to take a step back because you said something that struck my attention and you mentioned pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. and being a dietitian, moving away from medication and allowing the body to heal itself. And the body is an amazing organism. It Mm -hmm. can, if we give it time, instead of instant gratification or instant fix with this Mm -hmm. medication. I feel like sometimes medication does more harm than good to our bodies.
1: Absolutely. I agree.
0: Tell us a little bit more, Janelle. I know that you're working in the hospital setting now. Yes. What does your job entail there? I want to first
1: say that I did not intend to ever go into the hospital setting. Um, And again, this was a divine intervention, too, because my employer sought me out, found my resume online and reached out to me and said, hey, we want you to come work here. Can you come interview? And at the time, I did not have a job. I had just been laid off. And so I was like, well, I'll do it for a little while. But this was the the group of people that I wanted to work with in the urban community, Black community, under-resourced. Even though I didn't put myself there, um, I ended up in the place that I initially thought I could be of most use. So my day-to-day job, I'll give you a breakdown. It's like a model that we use in nutrition world called A-Dime. And so it's an assessment, diagnosis, and intervention monitoring, and evaluating. That's what the acronym stands for. And within assessment, we have something called the ABCDs of nutrition, which is anthropometric, that's your height and your weight, which calculates your BMI, your biochemical, which is your lab work that plays a part in your assessment, the clinical, which is your previous medical history, your surgical history, family history, social history, which is, do you smoke, drink, take any illicit drugs, um, medications that you take? And then your diet. So most people think that dietitians are only just dealing with the diet, but all of these things that I'd listed go into an assessment. And so the assessment is basically identifying what the problem is. So once we've identified the problem, that's the diagnosis. Once we have a diagnosis, we create a plan, which is your intervention. And the intervention can be something like, you know, I have clients all the time. Hey, I want to lose 20 pounds by this date. And so what are the steps to get to losing that 20 pounds? Mm-hmm. That would be the plan or the intervention. And then once the plan is set, we monitor the plan. How well are you working the plan? And then the evaluation piece would be what are the results? So that's basically the the core of what I do as a dietitian In the space that I'm in, a clinical space, it's a little less intricate because I have less time with my patients. I have to do rounds. And so I probably get a couple minutes with them. So there's very little education. There's very little goal setting. It's really about like what they like. Are they allergic to any foods? Are they having any current uh, GI issues? And if they are, then I'll adjust their diet, the food service department and have them send up certain type of food to accommodate welcoming in wellness. It's a little bit different in the hospital setting just because you don't have as many resources, I'll say. It's probably easier and definitely not as much time, Mm -hmm. but ideally, (laughs) my job would be what I initially
0: described. All right. And that assessment that you do reminds me of the biopsychosocial assessment that we as clinicians do when we have a new intake for someone who is seeking therapy. and. One of the things that I wanted to know is in your assessments have you seen a correlation between diet and mental health? Absolutely.
1: And honestly, you don't even see it in the assessment phase because a lot of people don't realize they have mental imbalance or instability. They are functioning <laughs> functioning in a space that feels normal which may not be according to, you know, scales and standards. The the mental health Issues that we experience at my hospital specifically are addiction, eating disorders, and homelessness. And so I know for a fact that all three of those things uh, relate to food or have some type of correlation with food. Because when you aren't able to eat or you don't know where your next meal is coming from, it can really throw off your other systems in your body. Addiction, a lot of times people will drink and not realize that they're malnourished, like they haven't eaten for the day. So a lot of my alcoholic patients come in and they're below weight, they're underweight. My eating disorders is on two opposite scales. So we have people that come in that don't eat anything and then we have people that come in that eat everything, you know, and so that may be a uh, response to trauma, you know, and so there's a mental component there of like, you know, retraining the mind or how to better relate to food and not feel like you have to control this thing, like really deal with the crux of your your issue so that you have a better relationship with food. And then the homelessness piece, like I said, they come in and a lot of times they haven't eaten for a week or two. And so now it's up to us to nourish them, but not overnourish them to kind of catch up. So it definitely, I would say, plays a huge role, especially in my current role, for sure.
0: Wow. I was taking in everything that you just said, especially with those three populations, addiction, eating disorders, and homelessness. For someone who is drinking alcohol or even doing drugs, if you're going on binges, you can Mm -hmm. go days and days without eating. And even when, when you're homeless, like you said, you know, they struggle with being able to eat three meals a day, being able to receive Mm -hmm. the nutrition that the body needs because they are, you know, moving from place to place to place, you know, they don't Mm -hmm. have that steady flow of income. And we talk about food insecurity, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Definitely. So thank you for, you know, touching on that. I think that that's very important and we need to educate ourselves about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being a dietitian, do you ever receive negative feedback or pushback from individuals who you are trying to educate on what healthy nutrition means?
1: Yes. Now, (laughs) I actually had somebody recently. um, This is a client outside of um, my regular nine to five. I also do some consulting work on the side. And I remember having our first conversation, which is usually like an introduction. She tells me her goals and I'm like, okay, well, based on what you've given me, this is what my plan is for you. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, based on your BMI, like, I think that this would be what we want to focus on, like this particular amount of weight loss, because this is what the numbers say. This is the standard. And she said, no, I'm never going to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that size. Like, I don't think it looks good on me. And I literally had to, I I took a step back because I was like, you're right. First of all, thank you for sharing that because I would have never known. Second of all, it took me out of my clinical mindset and put me in a space of this is the client, you know, like meet her where she is and allow this to be her journey. You're partnering with her on this journey. You are not giving her the journey. Right, right. So I had to like, oh, let me. <laughs> OK, sis, <laughs> like <laughs> you're right. You're right. And I, I told her because that was our first conversation. So I was super thrown off. Um, but I told her, I said, it's super refreshing to have somebody take their care into their own hands. And just say, hey, like, I do need you for what, for your knowledge base. However, these are the goals I have for my life. Right. So for sure, I get pushed back. Like, that's a, an extreme case. In the hospital, it's not as much of that because I get to dictate what they eat. But the flip side of that is when I'm telling them, hey, like, we want you on a low sodium diet or you have diabetes, we can only give you a certain amount of food. They kind of go against it and are just like, no, like send me some salt, give me some sugar. I will not eat this food. They will act out because they're like, this isn't what I wanted, you know, or we have like our behavioral health floors where, you know, a lot of them come in and they're trying to stabilize them. And so they're like, regardless of what the dietitian says, like we're giving them double portions on everything, which I was completely against, yeah. but yeah. they will override me because they're like, We're just trying to either keep them quiet. We're trying to manage the fact that they're coming down off of, you know, some type of drug or alcohol Mm -hmm. and they're going to be extremely hungry. We're medicating them. So that makes them even more hungry. So things that homelessness, like I talked about before, so things that kind of supersede. the stuff that I'm like, oh, well they have diabetes or they have high blood pressure. They're like, okay, well these are immediate needs we need to deal with. Those are chronic that you're dealing with and we can get to that once we
0: stabilize them. Right. So
1: that's that's kind of a snapshot into both sides of the field.
0: I'm, I'm sitting here and I have this big smile on my face because everything that you said is something that I know oh so well because I also <laughs> work in the hospital setting and being able to work with the dietitian and, and someone who has diabetes, especially diabetes, or who's in um, renal failure and mm-hmm. watching their liquid intake is really hard meeting someone where they are when yep. they are refusing to change and you're saying hey you know you have diabetes you have to have a special type of diet you have to mm-hmm. be able to make that lifestyle change and sometimes people are like no i don't want to do that it's hard for me mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. is hard it is hard you know because you have to adjust and you yeah. know I'm going to relate food insecurity or um, the lack of change with not being able to have the financial means to do so. You know, that goes hand in hand. So when I get that, you know, I'm like, I understand where you're coming from. I know this is hard. Yeah. I know going to the store and buying fruits and vegetables costs way more than you know, going to the frozen owl and pulling out some frozen chicken nuggets or frozen French fries. I know I get it. Trust me. I spend a lot on fruits and vegetables, so (laughs) I I understand, but weighing my health versus money, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how do I put those two things on a scale and just weigh them? And yeah, I choose. And for some people it's, Hey, you know, it's the survival of the fittest. So I'm just trying to live. I'm just trying to budget and yeah. work with what I have. So this is what I'm I'm going to take. So I get it. You know, I understand mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. How do we encourage and work with individuals who are at that poverty line and they're saying these and expressing these issues and concerns?
1: I think for me, what I've done and not in the hospital setting, this is more in an outpatient setting. But I've created a list of like staple food, local grocery stores. Like whenever I'm in an area addressing a patient, I ask them where they shop so that I can determine like what things cost what. Okay. And then kind of come up with a list of staples that are better choices than fried or, you know, like red meats and stuff like that. So I take the initiative to do the homework for them and say, hey, like I understand that this is all you get per month, you know, especially if it's somebody that's on stamps. And I will present them with a solution because I think when you show somebody how to do it as opposed to telling them that it's it's possible, you show them that it's possible. Yes. Then they're a lot, a lot more likely to give you some some thought, give your words some thought. I took the responsibility off myself to make people change, but what I signed up for was giving them a better way in terms of education. Right. I can step in and advocate when there's, when it's necessary. But once I give you the tool, it's up to you to decide that for yourself. I can't choose life for you. I can't choose better foods for you. Things that I know will help you. Like that's, gonna be up to you and maybe it it will come at your rock bottom stage you know where you're like okay I'm on my deathbed like there's some changes I need to make but my hope is that you can pull from all of the stuff that I've given you over the years and me going the extra step to make sure that you have all the tools and materials you need to be successful so saying all that to say like I take pride in asking the important questions so that I can give you the solutions that I'm I'm telling you about. A lot of the clients that I saw before this job were really excited to see a Black dietitian, for one, because it's typically in this field, white women. Yes. And they're a lot smaller. Yes. And so whenever they would see me come in, they're like, oh, my gosh, like they're already <laughs> like years already perked. But two, they're like, nobody's ever asked me what stores are in my area. Nobody's ever asked me how much this stuff costs. Nobody has ever worked with me on building a grocery list, you know? So I make sure to do things like that to meet people where they are. And also, I started saving my receipts and I started shopping at our local market just so that I can show people, you know, even if it's on social media, like, hey, I spent $10 on a bin full of, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables. These are the ways that I can prepare them. Like putting the information out there for people, having creative ways that I can reach people outside of my clients, because it's the community thing. It's the family thing. Like I want to really touch my Black community. And so I have to be creative in the ways that I approach them.
0: I know that you are amazing in what you do anyway, but um, the passion that you have in taking that initial- step of going over and beyond and not only just saying, hey, you know, I'm the dietitian. I have the experience and the degrees, and this is what I need you to do. But putting yourself into it and using yourself as an example and saying, hey, I'm asking you, to do this, I'm providing you with the tools. Of course, education comes along with this, but guess what? I'm doing this myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just want you to know that you're not alone in this journey. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though at the end of the day, you do go to your home and we're not together, but, you know, I'm advocating for you and I'm advocating for myself. So it's like we're kind of sort of on this journey together, even though you have two different pace. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, are there any nutritional items out there that helps with brain health?
1: Yes. So vitamins and minerals for sure. But what does that look like? So B vitamins specifically, um, and I'm not talking about go buy supplements because like I said, I'm, I'm not an advocate for supplements or actual medication um, because I believe that vitamins can be gotten through food. So your B vitamins you can get, which let me break that down a little bit. So folic acid, which is something that um, a lot of pregnant women know about Mm because they have to typically take folic acid while they're pregnant and it's helpful for the baby's brain development. So that's also helpful for us. (laughs) So putting folic acid into your diet, like kind of keep that in mind. B12, same thing. You're taking that during pregnancy. B12 was also really important, and then B6, which you'll see in a lot of like fortified foods, like cereals, whole grains. You can get all of these vitamins in greens, and I mean your collards, your kale, your mustard, your turnip. You can get them in broccoli. You can get, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's fresh or frozen. Like you can get these vitamins. In your vegetables. I always advocate for vegetables and fruit first because they're the freshest and the purest form. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do have foods that are fortified. So in any of your grains, like whole grain, whole wheat stuff, you're going to find it. Your whole grain cereals, you're going to find it. Nuts, seeds, nut butters. And so even if you are in a situation where you don't have as much money, there are nut butters that are not like, name brand that you can get that would still have those type of vitamins in them. So you can still get the benefits. So yeah, like those for sure. And I can share a little story around that as well. I typically, and you highlighted this, but empathy is my strong suit (laughs) Um, and it makes me really effective in my role. And so typically when I have a new client, not necessarily in the hospital, but outside of the hospital, I'll take them through some type of nutritional plan their eating plan. And so I usually do it with them. Mm-hmm. And so one particular client that I work with, she wanted to transition into plant-based, like whole food, plant-based, vegan, no meat, no dairy. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. Cause I can't have dairy anyway. And so I just did the no meat thing. And I promise you, we went, we went on this journey together for maybe two to three weeks before I started seeing like some really drastic changes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the weight loss part. I'm talking about like my mindset. My mind was completely clear. I'm talking about like physically, I didn't experience any cramps (laughs) before (laughs) my menstrual cycle. I didn't even know I was coming onto it because they were that minimal. My face was clear and glowing. I, I had never felt so emotionally stable. I felt very spiritually connected and grounded. Like literally, it was a, a transformation from the inside out. It was crazy just by doing these fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds. And people are like, "Well, how do you get full off of that stuff?" You don't necessarily have to. You can just eat all day. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I was like, well, whoa, whoa!" I got to tell everybody about this. Yeah. Uh, granted, not everybody wants to, you know, do a whole one eighty. But when I say your mind is completely clear and you get this energy, like this Superman strength Yes, from I don't even know where, (laughs) like it, it's that drastic. So yeah, when I tell you these things in terms of the vitamins that are helpful for brain health, I mean, like almost immediately.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I will have to piggyback off of that and say before, and it's interesting that you brought up no meat. Because for the last four months, I have decided to make a lifestyle change and go vegan, and one mm. of the things that I have to practice is when I go into the grocery store, not hitting those middle aisles, Yes, make sure that I hit the outer perimeter. Yes in the store, and then yeah. maybe every once in a while, I'll go down one of the middle aisles to pick up something that I might need. And Mm -hmm. that has been a very big thing for me and staying focused and retraining my brain not to hit those middle aisles. But that's, you know, not to say that someone who is working toward being more healthy and making different changes. I'm not saying that everybody has to, you know, go vegan, but Mm-hmm. putting that into practice, I think that is very good. It, it may help. Mm-hmm. So I know that mm-hmm. it was helpful for me, the clarity that I have and mm-hmm. being able to focus more and my sleep is actually better, I yes. better than I did oh, yes. when I was eating meat. So, you know, I feel mm-hmm. the changes and I know other people that's out there, they have been born and raised on, on meat and that's okay. But You can also, Mm -hmm. you know, work with that and try to reduce some of your meat intake and incorporating more green leafies and incorporating other vegetables if you want to, you know, do it that way.
1: Yeah. I want to speak to that perimeter shopping because that used to be one of the goals I had for some of my clients um, before this job to walk two times around the perimeter just to get steps in because I wanted them to be more active. So I said, okay, well, if the only activity you're going to get is going to the grocery store, walk around the perimeter a couple of times so you can get that in. And also hopefully get your mental capacity (laughs) in line, like with these type of foods, like these are the ones that you want in your cart for the most part. Now the ones in the middle house, they do have some frozen veggies that I, I can recommend, but also that's where your seasonings are. So, you know, I don't necessarily cancel them all together. You just don't need to be down those as often. But that perimeter shopping, that's such a good look. I'm so happy that you found that because I I swear by it. Yeah, it is.
0: And again, guys, I'm not trying to convince anyone to go vegan or anything (laughs) like that. But, you know, go out to your local grocery store and just shop around that perimeter. And you'd be surprised some of the things that you put in your buggy. And I know for me, you know, yes, it may be a little bit more expensive, but calculate, you know, weigh Mm -hmm. it out and just go in and see, well, can I substitute getting a pound of bananas for, you know, some saltine crackers and just Mm kind of like weighing out your options, you know, when you go into the store, you know, because some people are on a budget and guys, I, I get it and I respect that as well. So,
1: And one thing about that too, the fruit and vegetables, I've been telling people more recently. That when they are in season, you will be able to tell because they are cheaper, they look better, and they taste better. Yes. So, you know, if you shop in season, that'll help save, you know, some money as well. If you are in a situation where you do need to count your coins. Well, aren't we all? Hello? Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. COVID has messed things up, so. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's my little tidbit. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Janelle, do you have any advice for someone who may be struggling or may want to learn a little bit more about how to balance out their dietary health with their mental and also spiritual?
1: Yes. So I go by this model called Pies. I learned it in my previous job from my employer. And it's a check-in. You check in with yourself. And so P stands for physical, I stands for intellectual or your mental space, E stands for emotional and S stands for spiritual. And so physically, I take, usually I take about a minute or two, whether I'm talking to somebody or I'm talking to myself, just to physically, where am I? What am I experiencing right now? Currently, I feel well, like there's nothing on my body that hurts. I don't feel exhausted. Like I am in a good space. Intellectually, my mind is clear because I've done the work to unload it before getting onto this call. Emotionally, I'm in a space uh, where I feel stable. My emotions aren't haywire. And the reason I know that is because they have been before. And so I know the difference between balance and imbalance. And then spiritually, I feel connected. You know, I have talked to my creator this morning and I feel like I'm in alignment then I can recognize if something is awry or I can recognize like, oh, I have something to be thankful for because I have all of my faculties are in alignment with each other and now I'm ready for my day. Or maybe it's the end of your day. Like I did well. (laughs) Like You know what I'm saying? So like really taking a moment to realize where you are and then making a plan to go forward. So It's really important. And this is how all these things tie together to eat well, because it affects your mind. It affects how you think. It affects your focus. It affects how you process things. It affects if things are going in the right spot. Like, am I prioritizing the right things? Like it frees you up to have clear thoughts. And then with clear thoughts, it's easier for you to identify if your emotions are off. And if they're off, you can now use that mental space that's available to address the need. And then spiritually, same thing, you know, that comes into alignment with these other three pieces. So I believe first it starts with you and determining where you currently are. Eating well allows you to think well, which allows you to put everything else in its proper place and perspective. Thank
0: you. So, Listeners, you have heard it from Janelle, our licensed and registered dietitian. She just gave you an awesome tool, which is pies to use to check in with yourself. I think that tool is great. Janelle, if the listeners wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? You can find me on
1: Facebook. My name is Janelle Middleton. You can find me on Instagram at Olives. Zero zero, and that's O I L Y O L I V E S double zero. Or you can email me at Janelle J A N E L L E dot icon E I K O N at gmail.com.
0: Well, you have it, guys. Thank you so much, Janelle, for being a guest on Elevated Voices podcast. You were awesome. You're a rock star. And just thank you so much for all of your work and dedication that you do.
1: I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.